Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Engler. Uh, We are brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. Uh, We exist to respond to the questions you didn't think you could ask in church. I am hosting solo today, but I am here with our fantastic producer, Dave Bodie. We are here um, with Courtney Wilson. Courtney is a blogger. Um, she works in marketing, and she also hosts her own podcast, which mine will come out. She interviewed me in July, um, well, for July. And uh, she's responding to the question, why do people believe so many lies about themselves? Courtney, welcome from the great city of Cincinnati. Peter, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on the show today and get to have this conversation with you. Man, that's awesome. Hey, why don't you just tell people a little bit about yourself and um, how this question became so important to you personally? Yeah. So I, um, as you mentioned, I'm a a blogger. I'm an author as well. Um, I wrote a devotional called It Is Written, Daily Truth to Face the Lies We Battle. And the way that this kind of filtered into my story is I just, I grew up um, going to church and I didn't really understand how to have a personal relationship with Jesus until the end of college. And so at that time, it kind of got brought to my attention through small groups that um, maybe there's some lies that I've been believing about myself, such as like, I'm not good enough, or um, I could never achieve X, Y, Z. And I realized that I believed a lot of lies about myself, whether it's through insecurity or through other people saying negative things to me, um, face some mean girls in high school, that was fun, and stuff like that. And so it was really freeing whenever I realized that I didn't have to just believe those things, that there was actually a better truth out there for me, and it was God's Word. Um, So that's kind of how my story came to be, and then that just became a huge passion point for me of wanting to help people understand that, one, they're made on purpose for a purpose, and God has a plan for their life, because for the longest time, I didn't really believe that about myself. And then, two, that there's some things that maybe we're believing about ourselves that we don't have to believe and fall trapped to. And so that's kind of where the Trailblazer Journals, which is my blog, and then um, in the past year, the Trailblazer Talks, which is the podcast, that all stemmed from there of wanting to help people um, be all that God created them to be. And that includes overcoming lies. And then that's where the book came from as well. We're going to come back to that. Um, Yeah. Something that just hit me. So you work in marketing. Um, Mm -hmm. Your website is remarkable. Your podcast is remarkable. Uh, But like, so you are in an image conscious industry and you're talking about lies. Talk to me about that tension. Like, because like what you do is you're trying to get people to, you know, in marketing, you're trying to get them to buy a product or do something. And yet you have this like significant experience with Jesus. How does that tension look on a daily basis? Yeah, it's definitely um, a huge thing in that industry um, because it is a very image-driven industry, like you mentioned. And so I feel like for me, it's it's a constant work in progress in the industry that I'm in because there's a lot of comparison and that's a huge lie that I have faced most of my life. And I know a lot of people face that lie, especially with social media, especially with the way that just our world kind of works today with trying to keep up. There's this whole hustle culture and marketing is constantly telling you that you need more, you need better, you need 
like we're no longer keeping up with the Joneses, we're keeping up with the whole world and the Kardashians, you know? And so that has been something that I have been conscious of as I put stuff out there myself and um, recommend products on my own pages and things like that. I never want to cause someone to buy something or do something that one, like they can't afford themselves right now. Like I know that there's so many people like, you need this from Amazon right now. And it's like on TikTok and everything. And so I'm very aware of that culture and that it can lead to people to identity um, and stuff and identity and like money and different things like that. And so the world is constantly telling us to put our identity in all these different categories, but God invites us to put our identity in Him and who He made us to be. And so my hope is through the the ways that I can influence to hopefully influence people to first put their identity in Christ and then see those other things as a tool. Man, that's, uh, that's really good. So let's back up. Courtney shows up to this small group and all of a sudden she becomes aware of these lies um, that she believes, you know, help us understand what were you doing that maybe you didn't know that you were responding to those lies and maybe specifically like what changed along the way in the process when you were aware of those lies? Yeah. So I think growing up, I just didn't realize the different ways I kind of had insecurities that I like I knew I had the insecurities but I just thought everyone has insecurities and that's just how we live you know I didn't realize there was another option and there was a way to overcome those and so for me um in high school whenever the mean girl situations were happening and stuff like that and then in college whenever I'm trying you know you go to college you're like find yourself try to figure out what are you here for and I'm like I don't know I'm gonna do marketing I guess and then I was also pre-law at the time so I was like all over the board trying to figure myself out. And so prior to understanding that, I was probably just putting up a front a lot. I would try to be overly confident to show people that I was like okay with things. Like even if I got teased about certain things, I'd be like, it's fine. Like, I don't care what you think. And it'd be almost like an overconfidence. And then as I realized that I don't have to act that way or I don't have to put up a front, I can be myself and people can like me for who God made me to be. Um, I think it just softened me a lot and and not in a like people can walk all over me type of sense, but more so of because I'm confident in who God made me to be, other people then see that and the negative comments will always come, unfortunately, I think, but we don't have to let them affect us the way we did before we knew what God said about us. So I think what I'm hearing and tell me if I'm wrong, like you feel more comfortable in your own skin. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely before I, I don't think I felt fully comfortable in my skin. I think I felt like I had to prove myself and especially like in high school, um, I had moved from Cincinnati to a small town in Alabama. All of a sudden I was the Yankee. I was getting teased for, you know, just being the new kid and everything and trying to find where I fit in at this high school and wanting to prove myself. And I had this whole goal after high school and going to college is like, I'm gonna go to college in a big city and I'm gonna prove everyone wrong and stuff. And so that mindset shifted as I got older and realized like, oh, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Like I am confident who God made me to be and he has a purpose for me. So I just have to stay focused on that. And most of the time people aren't looking at you as much as you think they are. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so 
you know, you bring up this tension because I, I think sometimes people think that Christians are unambitious and they're, um, you know, just kind of weak and there's positive stuff to that because like the Bible says so. But what I hear from you is like, you're ambitious and what's the line of healthy ambition using the gifts and talents that God has given you to what you're talking about, like prove itself. Like even personally, what does that look like for you right now as you kind of process, hey, am I just being ambitious because I believe this is what I'm supposed to do? Or am I trying to prove it? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it's all based upon motivation. Um, I think that we have to constantly be in alignment with, as Christians, be in alignment with God and make sure that we are seeking Him, seeking His heart and asking um, Him kind of His will for our life and making sure that whatever we're doing is to glorify Him. And I think that's where the, li- the, the line is, is am I doing this to glorify me? Am I trying to get the glory? Am I trying to be TikTok famous so that I can get all the things or whatever it is? Or am I trying to be an influencer so that I can get all these products and it's all me, me, me? Or am I trying to use every gift that God's given me for His glory to glorify Him so that others can know Him too through whatever channel or method that is? And whether it's being a mom and you glorify God through how you raise your kids or whether it's a CEO at a corporate company that has nothing to do with Jesus, but you're leading people well, um, and that's glorifying God because they see something different about you. I think that's where the line is drawn. And so for me, it's, it's a constant check. I think it is for all of us whenever you're in a public eye type of space um, where you're producing content and stuff um, because of the comparison thing of in the hustle culture that we live in today. But I think it's constantly having that check in with God and making sure that we're not allowing pride to creep in. We're not allowing um, those insecurities to kind of become those like little foxes that on the back end, it's like, oh, that's just an insecurity, but then it manifests into pride. Um, And so I think as long as we're keeping a check on that and making sure our motivation is the right thing and it's glorifying God and we're keeping ourselves in alignment um, and checking in with like whoever, what kind of leadership you have around you as well. um, I think that's how I personally keep track of that to make sure that I'm not high school Courtney trying to prove something pre-Jesus, but I'm now saved Courtney who is trying to make a difference in the world for God. And also I go back to um, the place in scripture where, you know, I want to do it for the well done, well done, good and faithful servant. So, you know, some of our listeners, um, they're skeptics and they're doubters. Um, You know, they, like when they hear glorify God, they might be, you know, have more questions, but where I kind of want to back up because I think it's really important. You wrote a book on, it is written, you, you're responding to lies. Like what are some of the lies that you encounter that, you know, it's almost like you swim in this water, but you don't really know that this water is going to like, you know, it can be really damaging. What are some of the lies that you've encountered with people um, that they deal with? Yeah. So where that book really stemmed from was in scripture in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And it's where Jesus is in the wilderness and he um, is facing his own lies. Satan comes to tempt him and there's kind of 
several different things that Satan says to him. And he even throws scripture at um, Jesus and tries to like kind of confuse him. But thankfully, Jesus already knows scripture. Um, and so that was where that all stemmed from of, of learning that I could use scripture to overcome the lies. But when studying that, I realized there's kind of different lies we face, whether it's around identity of self, like who am I? Um, who is God? Like what is his identity? And then just our purpose. And so those are kind of the three main areas that I often talk about with people or hear that they struggle with. Um, a lot of times it's, well, I don't know if I'm good enough for this, or I don't think I could ever do this, or I'm just confused. And so there's a lot of um, lies that are around our personal identity. And then also around, well, how could God do that if he's really God? Or who is God to say X, Y, Z? Or did God really say this? Um, which is the same lie that Eve faced in the garden. And so those are kind of two main things is identity for yourself and then who is God and then just around purpose as well of like what was I made for? What on earth am I here for? What am I supposed to do in this world? And what career am I supposed to have? So those are the main, the biggest areas that I feel like I hear people having questions and doubts about um, and often not even realizing um that they're believing those lies or insecurities or labels, or maybe it's something that someone said to them years ago, but it stuck with them. And they always remember, well, so-and-so said this, so I have to make sure I do this. And so they like live their life because of that one lie that was spoken to them. You know, you mentioned before about popularity, because I, I feel like that, that is like currency. Um, so it's funny. I'm like an old millennial um, and, uh, so like, there's a little bit of like, we don't care, but we really do care kind of a thing. <laughs> um, are you a millennial or gen generation Z? You're a I'm so a, I'm a millennial. I'm like smack in the middle. I turned 30 this year. So hey, I'm, I'm the one that gets thanks. I get made fun of by the Gen Z's of the, like, we're chuggies and I wear the skinny jeans and I don't have the middle part. So <laughs> <laughs> that's like the Gen Z thing that they make fun of millennials for, for the women. <laughs> Hey, you know, I, I don't think I've changed my style too much. So anyways, long, but <laughs> so like popularity is currency. And I think mm -hmm. every generation, every person is kind of like seeking this. So, you know, as you think about that lie, cause that could fit in any of them, you know, just who God is identity and purpose. So how, you know, what would you want to say to the person that says, I don't really care about God. Um, I'm open to Christianity and Jesus, but I still want to be popular. What what does that lie offer? But also, what does that lie not offer that you've encountered as people have tried to pursue that or even yourself? Yeah. So I can only speak from my own experience. I may not have all the exact answers to answer. You know, I'm not sure about God, but but from my own experience, I tried it without God. I grew up in church and I fell into just feeling like it's just religion. It's just all these rules. Christians don't have fun. And so I had some bad experiences with some church hurt and walked away when I was 16 and kind of dabbled in church. I still believed in God, but I tried everything the world's way. I, you know, went to the parties, dated all the boys, did all that kind of stuff, all the things to be popular. And that was a lie that I fell into a lot in high school because 
of those mean girls and because of being the new kid, I wanted to be liked. I wanted um, everyone to be my friend. I wanted to be everyone's friend. And so I kind of did whatever you would do to be popular. And that meant making a lot of mistakes, unfortunately, that now I wish I hadn't have done. But it was empty. Doing it the world's way was empty. Not knowing God's truth about me felt empty. It was like there was this missing puzzle piece in my heart that I didn't know existed until someone told me about God and told me like the real way about God, that it wasn't just religion. It could be a personal relationship. And so for me, the only thing I can speak to is that experience of knowing how empty I felt, trying to find popularity, trying to read all those self-help things or books or things that other people put out there. And some of it's really great content, but it's not the ultimate truth, which is the Bible. And there's something about knowing who created you and living from that versus just thinking I exist to exist and I'm going to still be popular. Um, And so when I understood that I was created by God, whether you believe in Him or not, I feel that we're all created by God. So we have to still acknowledge that we got here somehow um, and understanding just how much purpose there was behind that. And for me, reading like Psalm 139 and digging into some of those types of scriptures, um, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, I began to like, it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea that this is how like intentional God is. And just understanding his character and how loving he is, I was like, whoa, like even if for some reason he's not real, like I believe he is because of this intentionality and I would rather live from this because it's so much more life-giving than live the world's way because for me, it just didn't work. Um, So I guess that would kind of be my encouragement is why not try it God's way? Um, And I can attest to Christians have a lot of fun. My life has been way more fun since being a Christian, um, traveling and just getting cool opportunities. And not that you become a Christian for those types of things. It's just, it's not like, oh, I sit down and I read this book every day and guess I have my coffee, but like I have fun with friends. We laugh. I have more community than I ever had. And it's people actually care about me. Um, It's not just random people at the bar who are like, yeah, we'll get together. And then I never see them again. Like it's people who actually like call me if I'm sick or have surgery or something like that. So I want to come back to if you're comfortable, you know, so you've mentioned it a few times. You left the church when you were 16. Uh, You know, Paint a picture of why you left the church. Um, you know, what was it that was so off-putting that probably it sounds like you would believe now or lies that you believed about God and and the church? What are some of those or what was it like? Yeah. So I unfortunately um, had a situation with somebody in leadership who had an issue um, and I'll kind of leave it flatlined at that. Um, and was put in a bad situation myself and should have been protected and I wasn't. Um, And so I was hurt by the church feeling that one, why did God let that happen? Why did they let that person stay in leadership knowing they previously had an issue with younger people? Um, And then two, I just questioned God, like how could you let this happen to a 16 year old who has no idea? Like they trust the church, they trust church leadership. And I was going through some hard stuff in high school at the time um, with a boyfriend, and I just felt extremely betrayed by the church. And so that was really hard for me to overcome because I felt like if this should be the safe place, then why 
would this happen? But what I didn't realize at the time is the verse, John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give them life and life to the full. And humans are human. Broken humans do broken things. And that's what I realized as I got older and was healed from all the the trauma that happened through that situation um, and realized that I can't determine like who God is based upon humans because humans are broken. Um, And so I realized at the time it wasn't that God let or didn't let that happen. It was that there's just humans do broken things. And God protected me as much as he could through all of that um, and later used it just like in Genesis 50, I think it's 50, 20, where it says you intended this for harm, but I used it for good. Um, And so for me at the time, not understanding what a personal relationship was like with Jesus, and I was broken too at the time. I didn't know what it meant to really follow Jesus. I was doing all the wrong things at high school and trying to do the things I talked about earlier of people pleasing and all of that. And so it was just overall, I think we put a lot of faith in humans when we should be putting our faith in God. Um, And that's when church hurt can happen um, is that we expect humans to play the role of God sometimes and and to not have any flaws. So I'm sure you're talking to a lot of people right now. Um, That was very courageous uh, for what you shared. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm sorry. And I appreciate that. Um, You know, let's say that there's someone that's still, you know, hurting, whether it's trauma, whether it's broken faith, you know, and just, hey, like, I don't trust the church and I don't believe that, you know, Jesus might be real, but the way that these people live it out is so wrong. You know what, what would you Mm -hmm. say to them? I would say don't give up on your faith. That's that's kind of what I did. I didn't give up fully on God. Um, I definitely stepped back. I didn't want to live like a lukewarm, pretend Christian faith and keep going to church on Sundays. Um, but I just kept looking until I found, I, and I studied for myself, I found out what, what was the church re- really supposed to be like in scripture. Like I went to Acts and Romans and kind of did some studying there and um, just kept seeking God and and kept praying. And I know I had people praying for me too um, over those years. I know my mom prayed for me for like seven years for me to come back to God and come back to church. And those prayers got answered. And the way that I ended up coming back to church is I tried, um, I went to the University of Alabama for college and I tried every church in town. I even tried um, just any church that I could find in town. And I was just looking for community and looking for relationship and not religion. And at the time, I didn't know that's what it was called. I had read a book um, by an author called Jefferson Bethke, and the book was called Jesus is Greater Than Religion. And that really helped me come back to church as well. Um, But at the time, living in the Bible Belt, as they call it in the South, it's hard because there's a lot of churchy people, but not a lot of like deep relationships with Jesus, which is unfortunate. Um, But someone I worked with at a restaurant my senior year of college, she invited me um, to church and it was a college service. It was really casual. And I just walked in and noticed something so different about everyone. Everyone was joyful. It wasn't just like, okay, we do this and then we do that and then we do this. It was like people like, hey, how are you? Like actually trying to get to know me. And so this is a churchy term, but um, you'll hear it sometimes in the church world called life giving. And that comes from scripture of the tree of life versus the tree of knowledge and good and evil. 
And so I noticed it was life-giving. It brought a breath of fresh air to me. And when I studied in scripture and I learned for myself what Jesus, who Jesus really is, who God really is, I looked for those characteristics and people. And those were the kind of people I wanted to hang around. And I looked for a church that represented and um, portrayed those characteristics. And I think that there's different churches for different people. Um, and you kind of have to search around and find the one that makes you feel at home in that way. Mm. So let's, you know, let's kind of back up. Let's get personal. I mean, you've been, you know, extremely authentic and extremely real. Um, what does it look like when people believe lies about themselves? Like what does, you know, how do they work? How do they do relationships? You know, you've talked about people pleasing. Um, you know, there's a fine line between being generous and open and pleasing people. Like what are some of the, as you've, you know, written this book and, as you've talked with people, you're like, ah, there might be a lie that they're believing. Help our listeners with that. Yeah. So I've kind of mentioned a few times that one of the biggest ways is insecurity. Um, but some things that I haven't mentioned is like doubt or hesitancy in certain things. Like if you um, are going to apply for a job, you're like, well, I just don't think I can do it. Like, I don't know. Like there's probably some reason you're believing you, you can't do that or you can't do that job. Um, or like second guessing, or maybe there's a lack of confidence, or like I had like an overconfidence, like you feel like you have to constantly prove yourself to everyone. Um, and then sometimes it comes through in some of our mental um, illnesses, such as anxiety or depression. I've struggled with both of them. And usually whenever I'm at kind of the height of those struggles, it's often a lie that like crept back in or an insecurity or some event in life that had lies attached to it um, that kind of aided that fuel in my head. So with anxiety, it's usually you're, there's some type of lie of fear of the future or fear of something. It's a fear-based thing. And then with depression, a lot of times it is related to your identity of feeling like, well, I'm not good enough. No one wants me. No one likes me, all of that. And so those are kind of the, some of the ways that if you feel like you have any of those present in your life, um, that you can start to see, is there any lie or label or insecurity or negative words that someone's spoken to me or I've spoken to myself? Because sometimes it's ourselves. We can be our own worst enemy sometimes with the negative self-talk, um, with that kind of what people call the inner critic in our head of like, oh, how could you have done that? That was so stupid. Like, you know, and so I think just evaluating your own thoughts and evaluating what people have spoken to you. But I think if you're kind of feeling those different things or feeling extra insecure all of a sudden, then maybe there's a lie that you may have been believing or that's kind of rooted itself somewhere in you um, that you need to like uproot and address. Well, like, like, let's just take the lie. No one likes me. Um, mm -hmm. So like you could, no one likes me. So I'm not even going to try to get to know other people. So you sit by yourself at work. Um, mm -hmm. You, um, you go to church and you sit in the back corner and like, it's kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. See, no one really likes me. Um, or like on the other end, like you've mentioned before, you overcompensate. So, you know, all of a sudden your like schedule is so filled because you want everyone to like you and you want to say yes, that you're trying to pack it all in. So it just seems like that there's some like behaviors and things that, you know, and again, all of those behaviors could actually be different lies, but it kind of says, hey, there, 
there's something that's a little off here. And, you know, mm-hmm. just it seems like it's the air that we breathe. Um, that's kind of what I'm picking up from what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it can definitely um, be that way t- sometimes. And and usually it's like it kind of I think of it kind of like little seeds that turn into plants that can turn into trees. Um, it's like these little seeds of doubt or these little seeds of whatever can get planted in us, whether it's and words are powerful. I mean, we all have. I don't know who came up with the saying, like, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But I'm like, that was a total lie because <laughs> words have been the biggest thing that have hurt me in life at times. So, um, but those words are like little seeds and they get planted in us somewhere along the route, whether it's ourselves or whoever, and they grow. It's like you said, like, you start kind of feeding into that lie, like, well, I'm just going to go sit by myself or I'm just going to not reach out to anybody. It's like you're watering that seed and, um, before long, it's like it's this whole tree, and now it's like this whole root system inside of you that you have to be willing to recognize and uproot. You know, it, it's interesting today. You know, um, so I I do like three interviews at a time just to be helpful. So we interviewed this guy named Jeff Holsclaw. His podcast is coming out, and he says why reading the Bible and prayer is not enough, and and it it just kind of you've quoted the Bible a ton. But I, I don't want to like, I I don't want to assume anything. It, you've talked about like the importance of community. It even sounds like you've probably at some point pursued therapy. And in some ways, that's probably changed the way you've read the Bible to actually hear what it has to, I mean, tell mm-hmm. it, walk us through that because it sounds like, you know, you've had some very difficult and traumatic stuff in your life. And it just seems like, yeah, hey, read the Bible and pray, but it also seems like there's some other support you need. So, I mean, help people who are kind of hurting and going through that. How have you healed with the support of others? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say it's not just the Bible and prayer. Like, we need community. Um, We need other people around us. And if you need to go to therapy, there's nothing wrong with that. I go to therapy. I still go because it's helpful to talk to my counselor and just have that third-party like person who is non-biased, who you can just talk to about life. Um, Because if I go talk to my best friend, she's going to say stuff from her perspective of knowing me, or if I talk to my mom or dad or whoever, um, but the counselor, like they just have a way of talking to you in a different way. And they actually are trained to give you different like cognitive behavioral tactics to help you overcome. So I would say it, it's kind of like a baby. It takes a village, you know? And (laughs) I would say that if you are, in the same shoes that I found myself in and you're just getting started of you think you've been believing lies or you know for sure you have. Um, The biggest things that helped me was one, like sitting down with a friend or someone you really can trust that's a safe space and talking through some of that, not necessarily like trauma dumping on them, but just like saying like, hey, like I think I've been believing that like I'm not good enough or I've been believing that like I'll never amount to anything. Do you see that in my life or how can I like overcome that? And I would say, make sure it's someone who is a positive person, not just someone who's negative Nancy. Um, So someone who is a safe space, but something else that my mentor helped me with, um, because I had got to a pretty low place in 2016. Um, I experienced kind of Uh, my first like major depression for the first time in 2016. And it was weird because I 
had been following Jesus for a few years at that point, and there wasn't anything like particularly wrong in my life. It just, I felt purposeless all of a sudden. I felt lost mm. in that season, and I didn't realize it was because there was a lot of deep roots of lies, um, and the root for me was like rejection that I had been facing. And so I remember going to Panera at like 6.30 in the morning to meet my mentor and talking to her, and she was like, Courtney, she's like, I feel like you have a root of rejection. I feel like your hope is being attacked. And I was like, I just started bawling in the middle of Panera. I was like, these people probably think I'm crying over the election that happened the night before, but I'm crying because of myself. <laughs> and so they, um, I just was like sitting there like, yeah, like I had no idea that this was where all this was stemming from. I had been attacking like the little leaves, but I needed to attack the root system. And so she was like, I want you to go home. And I want you to write down every lie or negative thing or label that you've believed about yourself, anything, whether it's yourself that you said it to yourself or someone else spoke it to you, anything you've been believing about yourself that's like negative, write it all down. And then she was like, and then I want you to, she's like, you can use Google or whatever, but see what God's word says about it and like try to find the key word. So for me, like perfectionism, um, it's not that that's necessarily bad in and of itself, but it can be bad because it it makes you feel like you have to be so perfect that you can't do anything wrong. And mm-hmm. so I went through scripture to find, well, what does God say about this? And Google's a really good friend sometimes because it helps you just find the keywords. Like I Google, what does God say about love? What does God say about peace? And so that was an easy way. And that's kind of how my book came to be too. Um, and that's what it's based around is these different like feelings or lies um, that we base things in our life on, and you can flip to that to find a quick, quick scripture. Um, so yeah, so it was meeting with my mentor, uncovering all the lies, and then figuring out what God's truth says, because His truth is the ultimate truth. And then after that, then it's just, it's a daily practice. Um, I would put post-it notes on my mirror when I was getting ready that said like, I, you know, I'm a child of God, like I'm a peculiar treasure, like I am fearfully and wonderfully made all the different scriptures. And that may sound very Christianese to someone listening who's like, I don't know what that is, but it's all in scripture. And it's all, um, the more you dig into it, the more beautiful it really is. But just having those, some people call it a positive affirmation, but in the Christian world, I would just call it speaking scripture over yourself. And it's those positive statements from God's word. Um, And so just reiterating that to yourself, because sometimes when you first start digging into scripture, it can just be like words on a page at times, but when you really, de- you have to like deep it, get it deep inside of you, deep root it. And then it's kind of like, I compare it to like when someone's training for the military, they go to like basic camp and basic training and they're learning how to use the weapons. They're learning how to fight. They're learning how to do all of that. And that's the same with scripture because scripture is a double-edged sword. It is a tool and is a weapon. And so we have to train the same way and and really get to know that deep down in us so that whenever we do face a lie later on down the road, we can immediately dismiss it in our head knowing like, no, that's not who God says I am. Um, So those are some practical ways. And then just making sure you're surrounding yourself, like your most inner circle of people that you're surrounding yourself with really great people, that they're um, good people who are positive Christians, if you're a Christian, uh, making sure you have like those core people that can speak into your life in a positive way, um, because that's really important too. Because if you're around a lot of negative people 
who are speaking negative and they're struggling that with that as well, then it's going to be really hard for you to pull yourself out of that. So kind of examine, do some inventory of who you're surrounding yourself with, what environments are you in, and then make sure you have like those community type of people to help you through that. So I, I want to kind of back up. Um, did you find a mentor and a therapist and then become a Christian or was it you became a Christian pursued a mentor and there I mean what was the rhythm of that yeah so I became a Christian first um and then it was in a small group we had a small group at the church I went to in Birmingham and the curriculum was called freedom um and it it was what first introduced me to kind of realize like oh scripture is actually a tool and it can help you overcome this stuff it's not just this like feel-good book full of like stories like these are real people not just characters um so that curriculum was really helpful Um, And then as I started kind of, um, our pastor challenged us, he said, I challenge you to go in all in for one year. And if at the end of this year, this isn't the right church for you, or you don't feel like this is the right faith for you, then I'll personally go with you to a different church. Well, spoiler alert, by the end of it, I was like all in. And I was like, okay, like I, this Jesus thing is actually real. Like I believe it. And it's not just some cuckoo, like crazy, whatever religion. And so I started that way, went to small groups, just I was craving friendships. And so small groups were the way to do that. Other churches may call it a Bible study or whatever, um, but I was just really craving community. And so I just dove head first, went to small groups by myself, which for me, it may not seem like it, but I'm an outgoing introvert. And so that was really uncomfortable for me <laughs> to show up by myself, not know anybody and be like, hi, I'm Courtney. Um, and so I just dove straight in. And then as I started doing that and I had gone to um, therapy when I was in high school right after like all the stuff when I was 16 um, and it was helpful for a little bit. But at the time, I also was a 16 year old who was just angry. And so I didn't really see the point of therapy at the time, um, but I remembered therapy. And so then when I got to that point in 2016, um, I'd been following Jesus for a few years. I had met my mentor. I didn't I didn't necessarily intend to have a mentor for the sake of like spirituality mentorship. I just knew like I was in the corporate world. And so they talk about having a sponsor or a mentor, someone to kind of help you up in your career. Um, And I'd had a mentor, a career mentor in college. And so someone introduced me to this lady and we just hit it off really quickly. And she just became a mentor in my life um, and a safe place for me to talk about things with. And she has a lot of wisdom. And so I trusted her wisdom. Um, And then through a small group, I met someone who had, who was a counselor. And I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to go back to counseling because I think I just need some tools in my tool belt to really help me like fully get the grasp of this. And so that that was kind of the cadence of how I like became a Christian and then like met my mentor through small groups and through random people at church. And then made the decision on my own to go to therapy just because I knew it was helpful. Man, that sounds holistic. Uh, Courtney, just like when you interviewed me, our time went like really, really fast. So, so, you know, we always close with the question, uh, what does Jesus have to say? Um, So what does Jesus have to say about the lies that we believe? Um, So here's the good news. I start by answering and then you clean up whatever mess that I made. (laughs) Um, does that sound good? So, um, yeah. So as I think about this question, um, you know, I, 
I think about if if you were to take every person that you encounter in the Bible, um, you know, there's a lie that, you know, they believed. And so, you know, it, I'll just, I'll just go with Peter cause that's my namesake. Like it wasn't, um, you know, he believed this lie that he needed to make himself matter and you watch him, you know, try to, you know, make himself look good to Jesus. You look at him, you know, fail Jesus, you know, and denying him. And then you look at him, you know, even later on, he fails by ostracizing Gentiles when he was Jewish. And, you know, I, I think that that's why, you know, we look at the Bible and we say that, you know, humans aren't the hero of the story that God is. And, mm -hmm. you know, it gives us more grace and compassion for ourselves to be open to, hey, am I living in such a way Am I operating in such a way that there's some lie that I believe? And so I'm leaving this conversation just kind of thinking, yeah, it's important to read the Bible and pray, but there's also some important work of just, hey, what what's really, and as you said, motivating me and pushing me, you know, to work harder, to be better? Like, is it Jesus and like in a whimsy way, or is it like there's something that I believe that's pushing me that? So that's my thoughts. What about you? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think everybody in the Bible faced lies, including Jesus. I mean, he may not have believed him because he's a son of God, but he definitely faced lies. He faced people throwing negative comments at him. I mean, he was the most famous person, but yet he still faced criticism and people who didn't like him or believe in him, even when he was right in front of them. Um, so I think that we see that just in the scripture I referenced earlier, Matthew 4, one through 11. Um, but then also scripture reminds us too, in John 8, 4, 4, that Satan is the father of lies. And so if you believe in God and believe that there's God, and then there's also Satan, um, we know that he's the father of lies. And so any lie that comes from him is not from God. And any of that type of language, it's like, okay, that's not from God. That's not what God has for me. And then we see all this positive and like the fruits of the spirit and knowing that there are the fruits of the spirit. And so it's like anything that falls under the fruits of the spirit that is from God. And so I think knowing that you're not alone in the things you're facing, that you're not the only person who has those thoughts and that Jesus himself faced lies from people, I think is comforting to know that it's not like you're by yourself. Cause I think that's the biggest thing we face a lot of times is, Oh, it's just me. Um, and it's not. So I think if you can, see that and see that Jesus um, has, a, I mean, there's so much in the Bible about who we are. And so I would encourage the listeners to dig into that and find out who you are and what the Bible says um, and see what Jesus has to say for it for yourself as well. Courtney, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Where can we find you? Yeah, I would love to connect on Instagram. Um, I'm at Court Hope Wilson on Instagram. You can also follow the Trailblazer Journals. Um, that's also the same handle on Instagram, or you can connect with me on my website, CourtneyHopeWilson.com. Awesome. Thanks so much Court for having me. Yeah. And, uh, the best way to get a hold of us, uh, don't miss a podcast, go to whygodwhypodcast.com and subscribe. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Have a great day. <laughs>